1: in ACR who's running for Congress and please introduce yourself man tell everyone where you're running from and then we'll I don't know jump into the conversation and wing it.
0: So I'm running in New Hampshire's first district and uh, started my race back in February of last year so when I initially filed I started out with the New Hampshire voter integrity project uh, trying to fix uh, some of the issues we had up here with the Wyndham voting machine audit and our election up here, where approximately 300 votes were taken from each one of the Republican candidates, and after the recount, they gained each Republican candidate gained 300 votes. So we we've been trying to see if this had an effect statewide. But my background for people is uh, homeland security, anti-terrorism behavioral psychology, and I'm a small business owner. I served, uh, almost five years in the Marine Corps. I was medically retired in 2011 and, uh, spent some time as a homeless veteran. i have been married for 11 years. I have three kids and I literally rebuilt my life from the ground up. And I was able to do it because I have a good wife and, uh, my mom, and my dad always said a good woman makes a man makes men complete. Otherwise, we're just out there running amok, getting in bar fights and uh, conquering neighborhoods and stuff. Starting. <laughs> shit.
1: Yeah. where they're up to no good. It's yeah, man, that's that's, you know, I don't, mine's not nearly as heroic as that. I was I was pre-med in college, got into medical school, I had the hot girlfriend like 2013. Right after I graduated, my older brother took his life. And I just went on like a five-year downward spiral of drugs, weight gain, unemployment, general hatred of myself. And over the you know past two and a half years, I've really kind of reconstructed myself. And I completely, you know, different situations. I think yours is more intense. But I do get it. I do get this sort of sculpting yourself out of rock again
0: the the, down, the downward spiral is something that for everybody i i keep saying it's amazing how many people we send to dc that don't know what it means to miss a meal yeah they don't know what it means to be at rock bottom and in my my view of the world you don't have principles if you've never been to rock bottom you have ideals but if you've never been to the point where you've you've had to test yourself and be willing to go hungry to to keep everything that you stand for about you uh present you, then you're not you don't know what you really stand for yet yeah and you have to sacrifice until you've actually you've lost something and rock bottom for everybody is different sure like for me it was it was not serving overseas it was not even coming back from overseas rock bottom was when I was faced with the reality that after getting out of the Marine Corps, I had a point in my life where I could not provide for my family. I was physically and mentally broken. Got out of the Marine Corps, I was in a world where, uh, in a state where we weren't really as welcome as we are here in New Hampshire. And uh, this system was meant to be abused. I actually got told that by a social worker when I actually did seek help was if I broke the rules, I would have had help that day, but there was no help for me. So I may, I did what most men do when we hit rock bottom. I crawled into a bottle and, uh, I drank a bottle a night and I finally got to the point where I couldn't. I, I couldn't afford to put food on the table. And I remember growing up, I had hit that point at, when I was younger because my mom was an alcoholic. And I'd hit that point when I was younger when you you reach into the back of the cupboard and you grab, like, that last can of lima beans. And to this day, I can't even stand the, the look of lima beans. Like, I, I can't even look at them when I walk by them in a grocery store. I will never, ever let my kids eat them and because that's when I think of stuff like lima beans a lot fried bologna uh syrup sandwiches stuff like that I remember what it feels like to be absolutely poor and des- destitute from when I was a kid and then having to re-experience that as an adult as a new as a new parent because my son my firstborn was still a baby yeah so i I basically made the decision that that was never ever going to happen again, and now we've hit the point over this these this past year with Joe Biden where that is an uncomfortable reality for that might actually happen to a significant portion of Americans, yeah
1: yeah,
0: and that they i just i can't sit by and watch this happen again. And I can't trust the future of my kids. Uh, I can't trust the future of my kids to somebody else to go to DC and hope and pray that they understand what that's like. Because when you need somebody to stop that from happening to your family, you have to be uncompromising. In order to dig us out of that point, I went almost two years without seeing my family because I work so much. I worked over 80 hours a week. I went to work, I came home, and I went to sleep for a couple of hours so I could get up and do it all over again. In addition to my disability, in addition to my, my own issues, and uh, after getting out of the military, I worked my ass off to get to the point where I could finally rebuild up my, my life and provide a better life for my family. And we, when we finally got a chance to move back home, uh, Like I said, I went to school, I started doing private security, uh, DOD security, then uh, executive and high threat protection. Then I ended up moving back home and doing DOD security on Pease Air National Guard Base in Newington, New Hampshire. And after moving back home, a couple years later, we were able to buy a house. So in 10 years, I literally went from being homeless to running for the House of Representatives so i can't I can't even fathom the idea that we're all heading towards that that very scenario right now, where, after two years of lockdowns and the moratorium on evictions and foreclosures is over, people are going to start losing their houses. People are going to start losing everything that they work for. There are people who are attritioning out of their jobs because they weren't able, they either worked seven days a week like my employees. I own a commercial cleaning company. I kept my employees uh, employed throughout the pandemic. They work seven days a week. And that may not seem like, I, I know some of the older generation, you know, they tell the stories of walking uphill both ways, save the save the world from aliens yeah. with their, their shotgun Bessie yeah. and a pickup truck and a, and a bottle of Jack Daniels. But seven days a week, that wears on you because there's no mental reset. There's no mental reset. My employees work at night. So the mental reset just doesn't exist for them because they're already working on an off sleep cycle and not getting the sleep that they need and they're not getting the time with their families. So after two years of that, they basically hit a point where they've attritioned out. They've attritioned out. Now, our our company, we've operated for 20 years. It's been growing consistently. And then when the pandemic hit, you just see one one company after another dropping like flies because they either couldn't keep their people employed, their contracts shut down for a long period of time. And this is not a business where you have receivables that can keep you afloat even when you're not actively engaged in a contract. So, and no one's paying a tender to keep you on board. So we, we've basically hit the point where I got sick of watching people go to DC and not actually represent New Hampshire. And it happens on both sides of the aisle. I'm a fan of calling it, calling everybody out for their bullshit.
1: Yeah.
0: And you're not representing the people who elected you in your state. Then you're doing a disservice to everyone in yeah. your state and you need to go home.
1: Yeah, it's it's um, you do you do see that. And it also the thing that I guess burns me the most is that it's much like a it's much like a team that's blowing a lead in a game like America's been making some mistakes for the last couple of years, but it's not over like it, it can the game can still be won like, you know, we're, we were up by 30 in the fourth quarter. Now we're only up by 10. But the game's not over. Like, we just have to kind of call a timeout. Everyone has to get their ass chewed out. We can still win, and it's an ugly win. We've done it before. We did it. You know, World War II was an ugly win. The Cold War was an ugly win. Still a win. And, but then when you have, when you have an administration that is seemingly pulling off a controlled demolition of the United States with vaccine mandates, with stopping energy independence, with goading us into World War III, with putting forward uh, big tech censorship. With having a very questionable election in 2020 it seems to be nothing more than they want it to collapse and i don't know are they are they agents of a foreign power i don't know if it's that far or do they just hate the idea of america i have no idea or even worse are they true believers and do they think they they're doing the right thing but very quickly yeah very quickly it's going from Politics is something that you get angry about when you see it on TV and go, ah, and then you go about your life to it's now everyone. Your gas is through the roof. Your groceries, if available are through the roof, uh, a decrease in purchasing power. Um, more and more and more. You are having your life affected individually. and We're all wondering how we got here, but it's been building for 50 years, this gradual decay of society and as shitty as it is, You know, it's like that quote, the first thing you do when you find yourself in a hole is stop digging, right? You can, I've been there, right? When you, you know, a couple day long bender, you're drinking, you're going through withdrawals and you're shaking. First thing you do is go, all right, you know, go sit in a hot shower. You got, you got to puke, you got to cough, you got to cry, get it out and start baby steps. Let's, let's do the dishes. Let's go to the gym. You do a little thing, but it's very easy to say it's all doom and gloom. It's over. No, 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 no. If we keep going down this direction, it's over. But I don't think it has to be over. And what you said is uh, pretty much identical to what Joe Kent says. I've had Joe Kent on this podcast five times, former special forces running out of Washington state for Congress. And, yeah, you know, yeah. And, you know, his, his wife, KIA, Syria, January, 2019. He said the first time on my podcast, he has two kids. And he's like, I can't, I can't watch them grow up and have them ask me, dad, what were you doing as the country is being taken over by Marxists? And he's just going to say, Oh, sorry. I was busy. You can't do that. And that's what I think.
0: I I talked to Joe about this when I met him the first time. And that is one of the most salient points. And I still think the conservative movement in general is missing is I got asked after uh, we had town elections up here. A lot of our town officials got elected on the conservative side, but our school board candidates statewide got swamped. Swamped. Now, this is at a time when there is more focus on schools than there ever has been before. Mm-hmm. And the left came out to make sure that they still held the right to indoctrinate your kids. That is scary to me because we still had, even though we had higher voter turnout almost universally than ever before, voter turnout was still usually less than 30% of a, of a town. In towns of 30,000, you have a couple thousand people vote. That's pathetic. We still have way too many people who think that, oh, it's okay. We're, we're slated to win back the federal house in 2022. And we're, we're slated to win back the Senate in 2022. And that's going to be good enough. No, just being a Republican is not good enough. Most Republicans don't even know the original party platform. Most Republicans are not actually conservative and when i say conservative i don't mean socially conservative if you're serving in our government i don't need you to be socially conservative but i do you i do need you to be to believe in conservative principles of governance and that because that is what you're there to do you're not there to tell everyone to worship jesus you're not there to tell everyone that they need to be straight and be in heterosexual yeah. two parent homes yeah. you, know what you what you are there to do is to dial back the government, get rid of the bureaucracy, cut people's taxes, stop interfering in people's lives, keep us out of wars that are unnecessary. And when we do go to war, fight to win, fight for liberty, fight for freedom. When when you are keep people from coming across our damn border I know. overnight for no particular reason and stop capitulating to the Chamber of Commerce when they tell you that we need these people. We don't need these people. We have people who have permanently left the workforce who are completely capable of working and making money because they don't believe that the system is something that they can operate in anymore. When I want people to go to DC, I want them to go to DC and do exactly what they say they're gonna do. If you believe in the constitution, Stop advocating for doing unconstitutional shit. Fuck yeah. I mean, honestly, you can't ban CRT from the federal government. One, it's not a finite course. It's an ideology and a method of teaching in which you omit facts that work against your narrative and you pervert facts so that they do work towards your narrative. It it is – you can't just ban it from the federal government. One, the federal government doesn't create curriculum. The Federal Department of Education does not create curriculum. It funds state entities with the state, uh, the respective state departments of education who do create curriculum and towns and SAUs, so on and so forth, who also create, have a say in curriculum. This is, we don't universally believe on the right in accountable government. Because I I guarantee you, when I start laying into people's uh, golden calf on the right, they go, oh, well, how can you be conservative if you don't universally lockstep with whatever this person says? I'm like, you know what? The reason I like Donald Trump is because Donald Trump was willing to throw punch conservatives when we start acting stupid, too. That's why I liked him, because when people say they're going to do stuff and they didn't do it, he was willing to call them out. Yeah. I'm willing to call people out because I'm a I'm a conservative first. The Republican Party is just the corporate structure that is supposed to represent the conservative movement. Yeah, it's window. And you can both to... be aiming at getting the government back to the Constitution, and getting the culture back to social conservative principles. And if we want to do that, we need to understand the difference between moving and engaging with society, with and how society should ideally work and operate and engage with each other, which is social conservatism and conservative governance, which creates a system of government of liberty and opportunity. And it actually ensures an environment in which social conservative conservatism can flourish and create a very, very. Your your audio just cut out. That's not what we're doing in these Far too often, far too often we send people there who talk all the right game and they do not a damn thing to save this country. Yeah. Not a damn thing. We got we got kids running for federal office.
1: Yeah.
0: Kids. No life experience. We got people who are willing to settle for rhetoric. Stop asking people to kiss your ass and start asking them, what is your plan? Yeah. What how do you plan to accomplish this? Who are you going to work with? Who do you believe that you can build a coalition with to get this forward? Who do you think should be running the should be Speaker of the House or should be Senate Majority Leader? Will you vote for this bill? Will you vote for that bill? Do you believe in term limits? Do you believe in a Legislative Transparency Act or a Balanced Budget Act? Do you have a plan to fix the economy? Do Can you say definitively that you know how to fix the southern border and by God say it without saying Donald Trump's name because if you have to say his name and you have to point to him to get it done then you don't understand the policy if you can't explain the policy why it was effective how we operated what was done who we negotiated with how the coalitions were built who we sat down and talked to then you don't understand how to get things done. You're just riding the wave to get into office so that you can be the next Paul Ryan that stabs us in the back. And you know what? There are many America First MAGA candidates that have done it around the country that signed red flag laws. Oh, yeah. And they stabbed us in the back too. So I'm sitting here going, hey, your favorite candidates said America first, screamed it from the rooftops. They screamed Donald Trump from the rooftops. They got to D.C. and they stabbed you in the back the first chance they got. Either one, they did it to get another piece of legislation passed and didn't read the legislation, you know, one of those 3,000-page bills, and it was buried deep down in there, and they didn't pay attention, which is a problem in and of itself, or they knowingly did it, which means they actively betrayed the people who voted for them. Yeah. I take issue because Dan Crenshaw is the epitome of this right now. He rolled the wave to get into office and immediately piled up to Mitch McConnell and Liz Cheney and Adam Kissinger and has become the epitome of a John McCain 2.0. And, and that's 12. not to disparage John McCain's war record. Sure. Because I can look at the man as a warrior, completely separate from his political career, which he was a shite politician. Yeah. And we can be honest about this and acknowledge somebody may be Dan Crenshaw may have a stellar war record and he is a warrior for what he did for this country. And I can completely admit that as a politician, he walked into office and became an elitist. Yeah, probably why he was part, one of the world Golden economic forum's young global leaders.
1: Yeah, with Tulsi
0: Gabbard. That yeah, with Tulsi Gabbard. Yeah, and I got some heat for CPAC too. Because I went to CPAC. How the hell do you have Tulsi Gabbard speaking at CPAC?
1: And she's on the fucking World Economic
0: Forum website. Yeah. This is a conservative political action conference, and you got a Democrat speaking. Yeah. She's not even a moderate Democrat. She believes in universal health care, and she wait, raised her hand on stage for universal health care, universal basic income, and the Green New Deal. She just happens to be more reasonable on foreign policy than Joe Biden. Yeah. And I doubt that because the whole climate agenda in the Green New Deal is a globalist agenda.
1: Yeah, sustainable development.
0: Yeah, by the I, I'm like, I'm at the point where the conservative movement, I am absolutely sure it doesn't actually want to win more than we want to be told that we're going to win more than we want to be patted on the butt and be told nice things about ourselves. And personally, I believe in growth.
1: Yeah, there's there's kind of like, a, there's kind of like a delay, right? You see the explosion and it takes two seconds and then the shock wave hits you like, you know, for the past however many decades for the majority of America, including middle America, Politics really was something that you could have a couple of drinks and, and yell about and then, and then you go back to your job and whatever, you know, abortion this or the war that. But now that it's it's coming to your front door with vaccine mandates, with jack uh, jacked up food prices, with inflation, seven point nine percent decrease in purchasing power. Now it's here. But it's like that was the explosion. We have still yet to see the shockwave in politics because you have people who are seeing the direct effects of politics on their front door now, not just on TV. But they still go and like hook, line, and sinker like a kid, you know, I got your nose. And then they forget two seconds later, I got your nose. All Tulsi Gabbard has to do is go up there and say some remotely middle of the road thing. Or any politician, you just have to have Dan Crenshaw, and like you said, separate the art from the artist. John McCain, absolute war hero, 100%. It doesn't mean yeah. George W. Bush, World War II war hero, doesn't mean that he didn't bilk the United States out of a whole bunch of billions of dollars with the Saudi Arabians. Like, you can separate these things and who I'm, I never served. I'm not going to say Dan Crenshaw doesn't serve this country, but at the same time, you're not infallible. You don't get to just do something and then you're good yeah. for life. You can turn into a and, fucking demon.
0: And you don't talk shit about your own voters like that. That's yeah. the, the amazing thing is Liz Cheney and Adam Kissinger and Dan Crenshaw. I don't care how they feel about Donald Trump. That's not the bar of conservatism to me.
1: Yeah. You're allowed to hate them. Yeah.
0: Do you understand the principles and act on the principles, or do you subvert the people and you work against the people? But to go on TV and trash Trump supporters, that's what I have a problem with. See, I don't attack voters. What I attack is, are we doing what we're supposed to be doing? I believe in education. So... For four days, CPAC did 50 plus speakers who went on stage talking about how bad Joe Biden is and how bad Democrats are. In what way does that move us forward? In a nationally televised event, you could add a 50 speakers or at least half of the speakers come on and give inspiration, inspire people. Believe it or not, Donald Trump was inspiring. Ronald Reagan was inspiring. To the left, uh, Barack Obama was inspiring sure. the guy could sell anything to anybody sure. and that doesn't mean he was being honest but he tried to be he tried to do the whole open change thing but the the reality is we weren't there to educate we were there to put on performance art in our own little echo chamber which
1: which you can do and when do everything this else this is really going yeah I was going to say what you can, can do just, sorry I yeah. keep interrupting you
0: Oh, no, I was saying we we do this way too often where we choose the short-term gain, the short-term monetary gain, or the short-term two- to four-year election cycle win over the long-term win. When we negotiate with the left, we walk to the table with 50% of what we want because we negotiated with ourselves prior to sitting down at the table. They go to the table with 150% of what they want, and they walk away with 80% of what they want every time. Yeah. Because we're always compromising before we are in a position where we need to compromise. Yeah. And we compromise in the wrong direction. Yeah, And that's the problem. The idea of we need to stop pretending that we need to be liked by these people.
1: Oh yeah, no, they fucking hate you I don't, you. don't care they where the
0: left likes me.
1: They hate everything because my you.
0: job is not for you to like for the Hollywood elites to like me. My job is not to fit into the cocktail crowd. My job is to serve the people in my state, go to DC, kick some ass, and ride off into the sundown. uh ride off into the Sun set like friggin' old cowboys in the West. My job is to go there, do a job and go home, no different than a deployment. And we missed that somewhere along the line. Politicians became careerists and it bugs the hell out of me that people don't understand that a career politician, if you decided you were going to go to school for politics, rub elbows, climb the ladder, kiss asses, and eventually you were going to run for office. You're already a career politician. You just haven't been elected yet.
1: Yeah. So
0: you're not going to give up 20 years of grinding to get there once you get there. That's why we, the majority of the country believes in term limits and yet term limits haven't been passed. The majority of the country believes in a balanced budget act. No balanced budget act passed. The majority of the country believes in a legislative transparency act. No legislative transparency act passed because you're electing politicians. And guess what? Politicians who came up Under the the Obama and Trump era, they know exactly the right words to say to get into D.C. They know the exactly right the right words to get you to empty your wallets, exactly the right words to get on TV. They know the right people to call. They know the right people to shake hands with. You know what? Don't get me wrong. I play chess. I understand how politics works. I understand how the money game works. I understand how publicity works. But there's a difference. Yeah. Yeah, no. You can be just as compelling and just as much of a passionate fighter by providing people a roadmap to save the country and inspiring people to engage in the American dream and rebuild the American dream and the robust individualism that we originally had in this country. Or you could use rhetoric to get people to open their wallets and provide them nothing of substance. That's why when we hear politicians speak to us, we walk away not knowing a damn thing that they really stand for, how they really feel, what they're really going to do to solve a problem.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's no, you're correct is, you know, we can't be. 100 percent idyllic and romantic and it's like it is a complex game like there's a ton of shit it's who spends the most money who raises the most money you have to get pr you have to get endorsements to say it's not is, you know that's that's telling a, you know that's someone looking at me i'm 5 8 and white and 31 and i'm going you could tommy you could still be the top scorer in the nba and i'm going hey yeah. I, I appreciate you know thank you mom i know you always believe in me but I'm also very realistic. I'm like, I'm going to use my brain and do a podcast, right? It's different. And yeah. to, to say that it's not all that is stupid. And it's also, right, I mean, it is also a visual thing, right? You have those who listen to the debate thought Nixon won. Those who watch thought Kennedy won, right? Yeah. Um, You know, but it's also like you can see the similarities. If, if I see one more fucking person, one more politician do the Obama closed fist pointing with your thumb thing, I'm going to blow my head off. But the point is, is... You do have to go in, and I've had on Mike Collins, uh, you know, a trucker out of Georgia who's running, Joe Kent, Steve Carr, Joe McCarthy, Mike Durant, um, Dr. Uh, uh, Brian Tyson, Dr. Richard Fox, and several more are going to be coming on here. Pretty much overarching theme you can see with all of them is is like, how do we get around, right? We can sit here and say, uh, you know, you become a career politician, you become a, a, a swamp creature, you become the entire thing. I think if you, I think if you look, if you don't look at it as a thing that you have to go do as your job now, if you look at it as all you gotta do is win, go in, go do two years, give them hell. If you're not worrying about reelection, you can go in and be who you are meant to be. If you go in there and go, well, I immediately gotta start campaigning. I think you've already, I think you're already finished. I think you've sold your soul to the machine and you're mm-hmm. never gonna do anything. I think you gotta go in there and like. You know, It's like open mic or something. It's like you get the microphone for a couple minutes. Don't worry about getting a call back. Go in and do your job and then come home. You're not supposed to be in there for 49
0: years. It's retarded. Personally, I look at it like my job is to go there and get things done. Uh, I want to be on the Armed Services Committee, the Intel Committee, and the Oversight Committee because oversight is about integrity integrity and authenticity and that's something i built my campaign on and when it comes to intel it'd be a good idea to have people who've actually held a security clearance be on the intel committee uh like you should be able to hold a uh, security clearance in real life to be able to be on the intel committee but for some reason we have random grifters who are able to fundraise a ton of money same with the armed services committee there's a lot there's a lot of issues that go on dc and one of the one of the secrets a lot of people don't realize is as soon as you get to dc you have to raise money to get your committee assignments really there's a price tag on your seats i didn't know that oh yeah you get you start it's how much money can you bring in for the party you your job is fundraising once you get there so you become a part of the party structure and everyone ends up doing it the problem is that if I'm doing a good job, you should be donating. That's another issue, and that this is up to voters. This is up to the average supporter in the country. If you want to change politics, you actually have to wield your dollar, and you have to know how you can be effective. First, start out at your local level. If you're not working, you're, you should be paying more attention to your local level than you do to national politics. But for some reason we do it the exact opposite It's because there's no TV and pomp and circumstance at the local level with your school board candidate. But that's where you should be levying money. If you really want to leverage a politician and you want to take dark money and all of that out of politics, start donating. Every dollar that a normal person doesn't donate means that that candidate has to go to Mr. Big Bucks to get a donation. And Mr. Big Bucks has a criteria for his donation. He, he wants you to do something. It usually involves screwing somebody else over or taking a position that isn't in the best interest of the majority of the people in your in your district or in the country. And that's something that we need to fix. If you want to fix it, easy. Donate $5 reoccurring a week to your, say, your top five candidates. $5 is the equivalent of a cup of coffee these days you're sacrificing one cup of coffee hell with inflation might be half a cup of coffee but if you really want to leverage politicians put them in a position where they have to listen to you if the power and the money is in the grassroots level then you will get more grassroots candidates don't vote for people based on who you think is already going to win Vote for the people you want to win, and then support the pe- person that you have in the position to win. So, in the primaries, you vote for the person you want, in the general, you vote for the person that you have. And that, that, like we, we, for some reason, we missed the long term game when we start looking at things. We look at things way too short term. We do stuff like, oh, I didn't get my guy, so I'm not going to vote. Well, that's stupid because the only way to ensure that your vote doesn't count is if you don't actually cast it. You want to leverage a politician? Call them up. Make them answer your question. Show up when they do a town hall. Ask them the question no one will ask them. I enjoy getting put to the test. I enjoy getting asked tough questions because I actually have answers. Can we go into...
1: Your thoughts on it's the one thing I ask all the candidates on on insider trading exemptions because there's nothing I hate it. There's nothing more like sure, like you you know, you look at someone they get private security. It's like I also again I'm not stupid. I understand that we live in a world where these people you you do need security. It's just what it is. But when I see Nancy Pelosi and Dan Crenshaw outperforming Warren Buffett, I'm I'm sorry, but like like hey, like I have to play. The casino of the stock market too i have to go on e-trade and maybe i make it maybe i lose what the fuck that you get to go in there and just cash in all day every day what are you going to do that that it's
0: a part of it's a part of my campaign no insider trading it needs to stop when you're serving in congress you should not be actively trading that that's that's my that's my take on it. You should not be actively trading or have the ability to actively trade. Well, you're supposed to be in a position that requires the utmost of integrity. Not be excused for having a lack of integrity. Which, for some reason, the more powerful people get, the more we expect them to be sacks of shit.
1: Yeah, yeah. We have this weird allowance we
0: give them. Yeah.
1: The more people, and, and,
0: yeah. And it, it bugs. And it's something that should be so simple. Apply the law to the people who are supposed to be creating and upholding it to the same standard as the people who are supposed to be abiding by it. That is equal justice under the law, which is something we haven't had in this country in a very, very long time. Like that, when I look at solutions over politics, I try to explain to people that that's one of my, one of the things I say quite often. Apply conservative principles of governance to the situation and see if there is a solution. And apply social conservatism. Charity is not socialism. Forced charity via the use of police and government bureaucracies and taxes is socialism. But when you willingly give or you willingly get together to create something, that's not socialism. That's voluntary association. It's limited government. It's freedom and liberty. It's being a steward of your community. And there's some somewhere along the way, we forgot a lot of the stuff that goes into being a conservative. We forgot the responsibility portion. You can't complain that there's too much government if you're not going to get down on the ground and start solving problems locally.
1: Can you go in and... Um maybe share your two cents on what's going on with ukraine right now because as hey my heart goes out to him as much as anybody but as guys like joe kent say do we we can't we cannot be the world's police and we have people we haven't even been out of the middle east for a year and we have liberals beating the war drums saying no fly zone and they have you have people on twitter who seemingly have figured out what the uh the uh, nuclear deterrent generals like Curtis LeMay could have never figured out in 45 years. Oh, just strike first. Why didn't we think of that? Oh shit. You have people who are saying like, you know, the nuclear weapons, some of them are more strategic now. Like, dude, you're opening, you're not opening a war. You're opening the gates of hell. You're opening the end of human civilization. You're not not opening the end of America. You're ending, you're opening the end of written language. Like, well, this is,
0: it's a weird misnomer because, I've studied foreign policy, uh, for quite a long time. And and it's just because it's my professional background being Homeland security and being in the military, I study the things I'm very good at and we're not, we have less of a threat of nuclear war than we do ground combat. We focus on the nuclear war because it gets headlines. Sure. We focused on nuclear war because it gives us an excuse. But in reality, I don't need an excuse. I don't want to see more of my brothers go and die overseas. Yeah. I don't want a no-fly zone in Ukraine because the facts are, yeah, even though we've been supplying them weaponry, even though we've been supplying them everything else, supplying them with MiGs and supplying them with a no-fly zone is a completely different story. Giving them MiGs... That is something that we could reason, but doing a no-fly zone, that means we have to execute knocking down uh, Russian planes out of the sky. That is a completely different dynamic. That means we are actually in a hot war. And for anyone who thinks that the American military, for any of my fellow veterans who are older and are still romanticized about what the American military can do, guess what? The American military has been demoralized. The current generation serving, a lot of them have never even, they weren't even alive when the Twin Towers fell. The people being enlisted right now aren't ready to fight a war. They they were born during a nation at war, and we lost that war. We lost both wars. We have not won a war since World War II. We, our military has been demoralized. And then, even worse, Joe Biden leaves service members overseas to get shot at. We had the worst evacuation since Saigon. The American fighting man, hey, we just don't have the faith in our government that we used to. Now, I would fight for this country in a heartbeat because I see the bigger picture. But for a lot of these younger kids these days, that we would need to fight a hot war with Russia. And make no mistake, we wouldn't just be fighting Russia. We'd be fighting in the South China Sea mm-hmm. against China, too. It would be just like fighting Germany on the in the German front and in Eastern Europe and the uh, Western Europe and the European bloc and fighting, fighting in, the in the Pacific all over again. Oh, yeah. Oh, because yeah. it's not just going to be – it's going to be Russia. It's going to be – Um, now once they, and Belarus and China and North Korea, and then Iran's going to make a move and then Pakistan's going to make a move. Like it's not just one nation that we got to worry about and don't forget, they also got Cuba, which wasn't in play during World War II, but it's in play right now. We're dealing with a completely different dynamic. And we're dealing with a completely different level of weaponry. We've had multiple generations of administrations that have come through and weakened our military. They've stopped innovation. They've stopped production. We don't our enemies have gained intellectual property and technology from us through the missteps of the Hillary Clinton with her uh her Russian Silicon Valley uh little escapade and Skokovo. So she created that over there. They took there now, they have hypersonic missiles that are better than ours. So we're in a position that we can't, we can't discount what going into a hot war would mean. And our military is not ready for it. We're focusing on the wrong stuff. We're trying to make our men less manly while the rest of the world is prepping for war. Our own allies don't want shit to do with us anymore. We were gaining allies in Venezuela, in, uh, in Colombia, in Japan, all over South America. We were even gaining allies in Africa. Now, those same allies don't want anything to do with the Biden administration because Biden decided to trade them to get cozy with the socialists in Japan in, uh, Germany and in France. So we're in a bad situation right now. We're not ready for war. And we probably won't be for at least a generation because we've engaged in far too long. We've kicked out war fighters and promoted poster boys. We promoted people for political reasons, for demographics reasons, instead of promoting people to be damn good at their job and kick ass. I don't want my military to be polite. Yeah. Okay. There's a, there's a, there's a, there's a ethic to being a warrior scholar. On the review board, you stand there like a scholar with your chin held high and in your uniform, you stand there with your chin held high and you represent your country to the best of your abilities. In your uniform, you're a gentleman. On the battlefield, I want you to be evil. I want you to be evil incarnate. I want people to be scared of you. I want our allies to say, yay, the Americans are here, and I want our enemies to cower in fear and piss their pants. We need. If we go to war, we can't fight wars the way we did in Iraq and Afghanistan. It needs to be gloves off. Go to war, throat punch people, kick in doors, kick ass, and call it a day. And then fucking leave. Don't no. Yeah. No. Nation no, no nation building. No nation building. No. It didn't work. It hasn't worked. All it has done is supply the military industrial complex with what seventy years since World War Two of universal control over our government, regardless of which party happens to be in power. I say, screw that. I say, screw it. I I don't want a country at war for the entirety of my life. I would like my kids to be able to serve. Like my family, every generation serves, both sides of the family. My mother and my father both serve. My grandfathers on both sides of the family serve. Their brothers serve their parents serve, and so on and so forth for over 140 years. Jeez. And yet I still don't want my kids to experience war. What rational parent would? Yeah. And my son is already saying he wants to be a Marine too. And that's that's perfectly fine. But I don't want him to have to pick up a rifle and have to shoot anyone or have to watch one of his brothers die or see one of his brothers come home broken or get blown up or have to go and sit and see his brothers committing suicide because of what they've experienced.
1: Yeah, I mean, it does seem uh, that's kind of the brutal nature of, of the world we live in, in that it's a zero-sum game. It's not rainbows and unicorns, and power pours a vacuum, nature pours yeah. a vacuum. Somebody is going to be wielding the big stick. It's just a, hey, I wish we could all hold hands and sing around a fire. It, that's yeah. not how That's not how humans work. We never have, and never will. Every time we discover a new technology, we immediately see yeah, how can we use it to kill each other. It's just what it yeah. is. I would rather have us in charge for all of our flaws and all of the shady shit we do, covertly and overtly, than someone else. It's just what it yeah. is. If, if, if it's you and me hanging out and there's one gun, I would rather be pointing the gun at you knowing that I can rest on my morals and go, I know I'm not going to shoot him. than give yeah. it to you and go, I hope he's as good as me. And maybe yeah. you are, and maybe you <laughs> are, and maybe you are, Yeah. but rationally, exactly. why would I give you the one gun? There's not two guns. It's zero sum. I would rather it be us than China. I'd rather it be us than Russia. Are we perfect? Fuck no. Have we genocided millions of civilians in wars? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I would still rather have the nation where you can talk out about it and I can get on a podcast and invite you on and we can sit here and talk disparagingly about the uh, the administration in power and you and I both aren't throwing in a gulag. I well, will, for now, for, anyways.
0: For,
1: knock on wood. For now. Tuesday, March yeah. 22nd, 2022. For now, I say that as I've already been permanently banned from YouTube. So,
0: yeah, I don't know, man, Um, but one thing we can do in Russia with a Russia-Ukraine situation is fortify and prepare our allies for what is likely to be the next step. We need to secure our allies in the South China Sea as well and prepare Yeah, because there is only now here's the reality of it. I don't want a war, but the likelihood war is coming. War is coming. You can only allow so much you can only allow China and Russia, Iran and North Korea to gain footing for so long before they become a threat that we no longer can contend with. That's the reality, is we can pull back to our borders, and this is where I disagree with isolationists. Yeah. You can pull back to our borders, pull back all of our military, close all of our forward bases and everything and, say, set up a blockade around the country. The amount of force you're going to have to use to defend the country, if we were isolationist, versus being actively engaged in the world and drawing a red line in the sand and actually actually defending that red line and saying, hey, this is where you won't cross. If we say you're not attacking NATO allies, you're not attacking our allies, then we need to stand on that. See, when Putin started moving like he wanted to go in Ukraine, we should have had special forces and we should have had 40,000 troops on the ground along the border because that would have called Putin's bluff. And we would have said, hey, Ukraine is our ally. We're calling your bluff. You got 100,000 troops. We got 40,000 troops. Kill one American serviceman and your ass is grass. And I don't mean to put people off, but I'm swearing because oh, I don't give a fuck, that's you. how angry I'm, I am right now. I, well, I know they say on the campaign trail, you're not supposed to swear. But you know what? I can debate with uh, – I can debate the best of them. I can debate Harvard lawyers for fun, and yet I can still drink a beer and go to the sports bar and hang out. I don't care. There's but there. the issue is I, I'm a Marine. I say what I want, and I fight like hell for the people I love. Yeah, And right now, I love this country. And the, and the issue that we need to have is if we're going to go to war, we need to be strategic. The pro- The reason why we can't go to war right now is, don't get me wrong, there are still people in this country like me who would suit up and boot up and go kick some tail. But the world knows Joe Biden is weak. They know he talks a hell of a lot more tough than he is. I mean, hell, he, he talked. What uh, he said? He wanted to take Trump outside, back behind a building, and beat him down, or whatever. Throughout the campaign cycle, I'm like, dude, has dimension. What world do you? I'm like, one. What world are you living in, Joe? You could barely walk up a flight of stairs. I'm like two, who says that on a campaign trail? Seriously.
1: I mean, FDR, <laughs> FDR was manlier than him, and he was in a wheelchair.
0: Yeah, exactly. The, the, the politician, the 50 year politician in DC who probably has his nails done three times a week (laughs) and has had more Botox than anyone could possibly imagine, probably more than Nancy Pelosi is the guy who is going to, is going to take somebody back behind the gym and handle business.
1: Yeah, it's, it's, it's retarded. Um, Julian, let's uh, let's wrap this one up in a couple of minutes. So I'd love to have you on again. Um, I'll put the links to your to your website, social media, all that stuff in the description. Um, but is there anything we haven't touched on that you want to go into? Kind of closing remarks.
0: No, uh, honestly, all I can really say is before anyone decides to support me, go read my policy. That's all I ask. Research me, see my position, see where I stand. By all means, ask me questions. I have no problem answering them. And when I, the the few times that I don't know something, I'll tell you that I don't know. Yeah. Because I'm on an honest enough to know what I don't know. And I, I will I will be honest and say, I want you to hold me accountable. Because I could not look my son in the eye if... I were not held accountable and I became just like the rest of the politicians in DC. There are very few people in DC I respect and I've met most of them. Hell yeah.
1: Well I will put those links in the description. Um again, I'd love to have you on again sometime. And I'm in Maryland now and I haven't lived there for a while, but I'm from New Hampshire, so fuck yeah. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah, I was born in Portsmouth. I've moved I've lived New Hampshire, Maine, Georgia, Maryland, Arkansas. I've lived all over the place, but fuck yeah. Oh yeah i live
0: i live in Derry now yeah i was of course um, this might be getting moved out of my district yeah
1: that's right i was i was born my parents retired up uh up north in new hampshire smart up in the mountains they're away from everybody they're self-sufficient they don't give a fuck so yeah that's where all my extended family is they're like screw this shit they're all in their own little communities armed to the teeth that's where uh, that's where i want to get eventually i'll broadcast my podcast from a compound but um Thank you so much, my man. I will text you this episode when it's up. Again, would love to have you on again. We'll do everything I can to support you. And everybody, please go check him out online. Don't listen to us. Don't listen to rhetoric. Maybe we're sitting here kissing each other's ass. Go look at his. Uh, go look at his policy. Maybe you don't agree with him. Maybe you do agree with him. I don't know. But um, yeah. Oh yeah, man. I appreciate it. Thank you for speaking candidly. Thank you for not uh, being an airbrushed politician with uh, with memorized lines. I hate that shit and uh (laughs) i appreciate it man keep being authentic don't don't bend over keep doing you thank you you so much man god bless take care everybody recording stopped